following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hi. I didn't know you were here. I couldn't see you. Wow, good morning. He is risen. Uh, see, those are old people say, He is risen indeed, right? So we say, He is risen. And you say, There, you're getting it. Okay. <laughs> Another 10 or 12 years, we'll get there. Well, um, so, every year on the Easter, um, we participate in several traditions. Um, we get up early for sunrise ish service. Uh, we always drive by an actual sunrise service on our way down here to our sunrise ish service, which is fun up on the mountain. Um, then we typically, when we're not in a pandemic, we have breakfast together, Easter breakfast and a regular service. And then a big lunch with family. Or if you're from my family, it's usually ham sandwiches from Subway um, because we're toast. Maybe you do some egg hunts or Easter baskets uh, somewhere Somewhere in there, too. That's okay. Lots of chocolate. You can have it. Well, one tradition, obviously, within all of those things is to focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? Nate read that at sunrise uh, from Luke. And I would like to read another version of it for you now from Matthew. Just briefly, Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Now, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes, clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. Just as he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Let's pray. Father, what a glorious day. I can only imagine the emotion running through your disciples to see the risen Lord. And we look forward to the day where we see the risen Lord returning to collect his church, his bride, so that we might be with him, with you forever. And Lord, as we turn our attention to your resurrection this morning, I pray your spirit would speak that these would not be my words, but your words. For your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Splitting the division between bone and marrow. 
May your word pierce our spirits this morning. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, Christians all over the world are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And I think the celebration in its various forms uh, is for two, at least two reasons. Reason number one, we're celebrating that Jesus is no longer dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good, right? We, we serve a risen Savior who is alive forevermore. We don't serve a dead God. We don't pray to dead saints. We serve a risen Savior. He is alive forevermore. And reason number two that we're celebrating is that Jesus' death and resurrection actually accomplished something wonderful for us, for the whole world. And that's the reason for celebrating that I want to focus on today. We celebrate that Jesus is alive, but that's not just so the story has a happy ending. Not just for Jesus. Reason number two is that his death and resurrection brings a happy ending for us. And we're going to pause our study on 1 Peter for today. Uh, for those of you who are looking for 1 Peter, he's still in the Bible, so you can read that on your own. But that's not where I'm going to be today. We're going to look at Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, and that's on page 942 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 6. There's Bibles everywhere. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. May God's blessing be on his word this morning. I just want to pause here and thank you all for your prayers for me uh, as I've been teaching shop at the middle school. And uh, I don't credit teaching middle schoolers uh, for any resurrection of my voice or my speech at all, although I do, um, I do thank the Lord for that. It certainly made my life quite a bit easier, and I hope that this morning it will make yours a little easier. So pray that I can slow down. So as we look at this text, there are a few words used in Scripture that can't stand alone. They, they're words that they just can't be used by themselves. They signal that a thought is part of a larger context. Um, and I've said it before that the word therefore is one of those words. Um, you, you just can't start your study 
with the word therefore. Um, if your passage starts with therefore, um, you can't just start there. It's a signal that you have to go back and read the text before that word to get a handle on what you're about to read is based on, what the original author's intent was, what he was, uh, what he was trying to say. And another one of those words is the word for. We've talked a lot about how small words make a big difference, um, such as the word but. It all makes us laugh. It's a very important word in Scripture. It's spelled differently than what you're laughing about. Well, this word for is a connecting word. Right? It's a word that signals the connection between thoughts. So we cannot simply start our study this morning with verse 6 because it starts with the word for. Um, so it needs to stay connected to the whole of the argument that the Apostle Paul is making in writing this. And you're probably thinking, well, why don't you just start it before that and you would have skipped all of that and we wouldn't have had to go through it. Because, that's why. I, I just, just because. Well, verses 6 through 11 have been used on their own many times for evangelistic sermons, for, for gospel challenges, to show people that God loves them and has made it possible for them to be saved from their sins by the death of Christ on the cross. That, that forgiveness and reconciliation are available by God's grace. And that's a good thing. And all of that is true. And it's all true even though that's not the point that Paul was trying to make. If verse 6 starts with the word for, a connecting word, we have to go back and see what it's connected to. So I'd like to tell you that it's quite simple. We just have to read two or three verses prior to that. We'll get to the larger context and be able to make sense of the whole thing. Well, if you've ever read the book of Romans, it doesn't work like that. The whole thing builds and builds and builds to the very end. So we're going to go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read the whole thing. That, no, it's on page 9. <laughs> uh, if you can't have fun, you're doing it wrong. So almost every paragraph in Paul's, letters to, Paul's letter to the Romans either begins with a for or a therefore or a question. So it's not so simple uh, it's a little tricky. So I'll do all that work for you and get you caught up here. Up until now, in this letter to the, to the Roman Christians, the church in Rome, Paul has represented God as holy, righteous, and just. He has represented God as a keeper of his promises and as a justifier of the faithful. And all of that is well and good and true, but here in this section, Paul reintroduces an old attribute, attribute of God, an idea that people weren't used to anymore, the idea that God is loving. And here in verse 5 is the first time in this letter, in the letter to the Romans, that Paul even mentions God's love, and I think that that's significant. Now, the idea that God is loving isn't new. The Old Testament is, is full of God's steadfast love. That phrase, steadfast love, is mentioned um, is almost 200 times in the Old Testament. 
But here in this context, we can see we can see God's love displayed in salvation and suffering. Like we talked about last week from 1 Peter, salvation and trials or suffering, tests, are both evidence of God's great love for us. So I just want to skip back real quickly to verse 1 of Romans 5, where Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Last week, if you were here or watching online, you'll remember we talked about the purpose of our trials, the purpose of the difficulties that we face, the hard times that we go through. Because when God is involved, pain is productive. And friends, God is always involved. We're refined by our trials and our tests. Trials and pain produce patience, patient endurance. If you're looking for First Peter, he's there in Romans saying the same thing. Pain produces patient endurance and proven character and confident hope. And it is evidence that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God proves his love for us through pain. And through our pain, God is making us into something more. Making us more like Jesus. More loving, more patient, more dependent on God for help and strength. Paul is saying that God uses pain, trials, tests to accomplish his purposes. And the greatest proof, the greatest evidence is the cross of Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. When the timing was just right. When it had been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that mankind was powerless to save ourselves from the wrath of God, God stepped in himself. 
and died on the cross for the ungodly and the sinner. Jesus Christ died for those who are powerless to save themselves. Jesus Christ died for those who had no regard for God. Who had given God and his holiness and his laws no place in their lives at all. Verse 7 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, there's some implications there, right? A a righteous person, eh, maybe. A good person, eh, maybe. What about a sinner? No. Won't do it. But God showed his love that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It's rare that a person would die for his friends. Though exception can be found, it's still rare. And as rare as it is, it's a demonstration of a person's character and love to lay down their life for their friend. Jesus said in John 15:13, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. But God himself does one better than that. We weren't his friends. We were not the chosen few who were good enough to earn God's favor. The Bible says we were his enemies. And we were powerless. We're powerless to save ourselves. And while we had given no place for God in our lives, while we stood opposed to him and his principles, Jesus Christ died to save us. He died for us. Verse 9, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. It's the best news in the world. It's the best news possible that through the blood of Christ, we aren't what we once were. Through faith in him, we're no longer weak, ungodly sinners, enemies of God who stand under his looming wrath like his finger is hovering over the smite button. Our identity has been completely changed. We are something totally different. Do you want proof? My parents are here. Ask them what I was like. Aha. Maybe after today, not right now. Do you know what you've got? Do you know who you are? Don't you know that through your pain, God is is working to make you more like his son? Through his own pain, he made it possible. For that to happen through his own pain and suffering on the cross, he made it possible for you to be made into something totally different and totally new. That was God's purpose in Christ's pain to reconcile you to himself. And Christ's pain ended in his death. And even if your pain ends in death, Through faith in Jesus, it doesn't end there because you will be resurrected to live eternally with him in his kingdom where there is no more pain. There is no more crying. 
There are no more tears. We are saved from the wrath of God through the blood of Christ. Everybody likes to talk about that. Seen a lot of t-shirts. Yay, God's wrath. Not so much. We are saved from God's wrath through the blood of Jesus Christ. Here's the good news in that. Whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty or challenge that you're facing, your life just really stinks right now and you can't seem to get a handle on stuff. It's not because God is angry with you. It's because he loves you and he is at work in your difficulty. Whatever you're going through has nothing to do with God's wrath and everything to do with his love. Through faith in Jesus Christ, God's wrath is abated. He's no longer angry with you. Verse 10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we're reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We were once weak, ungodly, sinners, and enemies of God. That's the bad news that makes the good news good. That's the bad news that we don't hear so much anymore. You're okay, I'm okay, my truth, your truth, doesn't matter. You do you, I'll do me, we'll all get along. What's missing from that is the truth. And the truth is, we were once weak, ungodly sinners and enemies of God. But, there's that word, but, through faith in Jesus Christ, we aren't anymore. We are no longer weak, ungodly sinners and God's enemies. Because of Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection, we are now no longer weak, but powerful. Not because of any power that comes from us, any strength or cleverness or intelligence in us, but because of the Holy Spirit living and working in us through faith in Jesus. When we were going through the Gospel of Mark, I couldn't help but make fun of the disciples because they're a bunch of idiots. They couldn't get anything right. They couldn't make two good decisions in a row. But yet, couple them with the Holy Spirit and they changed the world. The church was born, the Holy Spirit was given and they set the world on fire with the gospel. And the church spread like wildfire because of the Holy Spirit. Not because they were clever. They proved that they weren't. It's the Holy Spirit that makes all the difference. Because of Christ's death on the cross in our place, we are no longer ungodly. But we give God the place that he deserves in our hearts. And that is the throne. He is the king now. We step aside off the throne of our own little imaginary universe and give that place to God. That's the place he deserves. 
Because of Christ's death on the cross in our place, we are no longer sinners, but saints. That doesn't mean we don't sin, but we're no longer sinners. We're saints who sin sometimes. Our lives should not be marked by sin, but marked by the fruit of the Spirit, by love and joy and peace, not by sin and shameful behavior. Our lives are now lived for His glory and not for ours. Because of Christ's death on the cross in our place, we are no longer enemies of God, but we are His adopted children. We are reconciled and made his own. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? We are his and he is ours. John Calvin wrote, Paul now ascends into the highest strains of glorying. For when we glory that God is ours, whatever blessings can be imagined or wished and sue and flow from this fountain For God is not only the chief of all good things, but also possesses in himself the sum and substance of all blessings, and he becomes ours in Christ. What a beautiful statement. That, my friends, is what the resurrection of Christ accomplished for us. We belong to Jesus, and Jesus belongs to us. We belong to God the Father, and God the Father belongs to us. We belong to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit belongs to us. This is the blessing and benefit of Christ's resurrection from the dead. That's why we celebrate today. Our pain, Christ's pain, is all evidence of God's love. By faith in him, we are adopted as his own, no longer enemies, but his beloved children. And I will quote from Peter, because he says this so beautifully in 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9, his definition of faith in Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, You love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen? Amen. May grace and peace be multiplied to you today. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for your great love for us. I know I say that every time, and I mean it every time. You proved your great love for us, that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Weak, ungodly sinners and your enemies, we deserve your wrath, not your grace but you extend your grace to us through faith in Jesus Christ anyway. And so, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that does not know or love Jesus Christ, that that would change in this very moment. 
that even in the quietness of their own hearts, they could cry out to you in faith, ask for your forgiveness, accept your salvation, and submit their lives to you. It's that simple. Father, we thank you for making that possible for each one of us. That we're no longer your enemies, but we are your children through faith in Jesus Christ. May these words encourage us today and take deep root in our hearts through faith. In the precious and holy name of our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.